the first sip of morning coffee as we get ready for our school day will never be overrated. Getting ready and deciding, nope, I actually don't want to try that hard and I'm just going to do a teacher messy bun in my hair, that will also never be overrated. What is this episode all about today? It is about things in education that are overrated, underrated, or maybe even properly rated. This is part two of this series last week. Man, did it get real? I feel like I was spitting fire in that episode. If you haven't listened, it's definitely worth a listen or maybe even a re-listen. But in this episode today, we're going to tackle three more hot button issues. And I'm super curious if we agree on all three or maybe we disagree on all three. But what's amazing is they're going to get us thinking. They're going to get us reflecting. And I promise you're going to have all of the feels. Speaking of all the feels, I am looking at this five star rating that was left on the Apple podcast app. From the listener of the week, they say, look no further. If you are looking for an engaging podcast, look no further. I can't say enough about Monica Genta and this Teacher Life podcast. Monica is full of all kinds of energy and positivity that is highly contagious and so much fun. She uses practical and simple ideas that can turn everyday tasks into engaging activities that build relationships with students and make every day awesome. Wolf Teach. You are the listener of the week and guess what Wolf Teach? This month during April, we are celebrating awesome April and Wolf Teach, you have just won a free copy of one of my books of your choice. What? Let's ring that bell. Yes, all month long. I am selecting at random reviews that have been left and you could win a copy of one of my books. So maybe there's some incentive. Maybe you've been a listener for a while and you're like, girl, every episode I hear you say this and I haven't left it. And this is the episode where you are going to do it because you could win a free copy of one of my books. So Wolf Teach, send me a direct message and I will hook you up. And in this episode, I'm hooking you up with opinions, insights, and reflections on three things that we should decide once and for all. Overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Let's go! There is awesome in every single school day. the big question. How can teachers like us who love our job, love our students, and love being a part of education celebrate awesome even more in our classrooms and learning communities? Where can we find teaching tips and tricks? Where can we find engaging stories and motivational strategies? That is the question and this weekly podcast is your answer. So welcome to all my teacher friends. My name is Monica Genta and I am so excited that you are here listening to this podcast, This Teacher Life. 
are going to get right into it. The very first topic is the Danielson Evaluation Framework. Is the current evaluation system overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Here's my opinion. Get ready for this. I believe the Danielson model is over stinking rated. And here's why. You know, we're diving deep. I'm not just going to say it's overrated. Let me give you some actual thoughts on this. And then what I think should be the evaluation system. So um, if you are maybe newer to education or maybe your school district doesn't use what is called the Danielson evaluation, I would guess that you probably do something similar, right? Where you've got formal and informal, or maybe you call them announced or unannounced observations. And then you also sit down with your principal and you have to come with this ridiculous like binder, right? We, we're obsessed with these binders where we put artifacts, if you will, right? We, we put things inside of this that prove we are amazing teachers. Like here's a picture, here's a screenshot from an email from a parent. And we're basically trying to sell ourselves to our principles. But newsflash, when we got hired, we already did prove that we were the worthy candidate. We did prove that we deserved our job. So this binder bullshit is kind of ridiculous. Now, should we be held accountable for what we do? One hundred percent, of course, because we have all taught with a teacher that we are thinking, man, they have no business being in the classroom anymore. But because they're, quote, tenured, we can't really fire them in the way that we probably wish we could. So here's kind of what I'm saying. You know how I feel. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. So if we're not using this Danielson evaluation model where they're basically giving us a number like you're a number four teacher, you're amazing, or you're a number one, we're going to put you on academic probation because things aren't looking good. Like if that's not what we're doing, there has to be a system. I really don't think it would ever be a good idea to just say like, we hired you, we trust you, good luck, yeah, go for it. That's not a good system either. So... I've thought a lot about this. If the Danielson evaluation framework and most evaluation frameworks aren't really hitting right, they're not getting the results that maybe we would want or need, or maybe they're just too high maintenance and they're not realistic, here's what I think would work, right? It's a, it's like a four reflection questions. I think every single year, we should have to sit down with our principals and answer a few questions. And the very first question is, you know what, Monica? Thanks for sitting down in my office today. First question is, do you like kids? Now, I know that sounds crazy, but I do think that that is something that we should have to reflect on every single year. Like, do you like kids? Like, do you like working with kids? Because we know. That there are often times that we've got colleagues or we hear things from other kids and it's like, I'm sorry, do, do they even like working with kids? We went into this profession knowing that that is, that's our, that's our market, friends. Kids are our market. And I think it is an important basic question 
to say like from the principal, Monica, do you like working with kids? And our answer needs to be yes. Not every day is going to be perfect, but I think that is an important reflection evaluation question. Question number two should be, do you like coming to work every single day? For real. Like when was the last time you sat down with your principal or your evaluator or your instructional coach and they gave you that simple question? Do you like coming to work every single day? Now, again, there's going to be hard days. There are going to be like moments in our career where we hit a wall. But like in general, do you like coming to school every single day? Because if we don't, then it is really, really likely that we aren't doing a great job. I mean, that's just basic. If we don't like what we're doing, we're generally not going to do a great job at it. That's just life. And I realize that this sounds so simplified, but I think sometimes evaluation systems, systems in general, get overcomplicated. Like I really think that our principals should sit down at least once a year and ask us that. Number three, the third question should be this. Hey, let me open up my laptop and if you're a science teacher, I'm going to put up the periodic table. If you are an elementary teacher, I'm going to throw some verbs on the screen. If you're a math teacher, here are some multiplication problems. And here's the next question. How can you teach me how to do that? Teach me how the periodic table works. Teach me how multiplication works. Teach me how I should use verbs in a sentence. Like, That is so essential. Like teaching is often about can you explain this to me? Like literally can you teach me this? And I think sometimes it gets so like do you have something that proves that you do that? Do you have data? Do you have this? Is that in your portfolio? Did you put that in a binder that we forget to ask the question of like can you teach me this? And it depends what you're actually hired to teach. But like we should be able to sit down with our principal and explain how to learn a concept that we teach to our kids. And if we can't do that, or if the person sitting behind the principal's desk can't do that, then maybe that should be reflected in their evaluation. Are you feeling me on this? Again, this year might be like, Monica, this is way too simple. This would never work, but why not? Like, why wouldn't this work? Isn't this like the three pillars? We've just hit them. That we like kids, we like our job, and we know how to do our job. And the fourth question that I think needs to be a part of the evaluation system is a question from the principal that is real, real basic. What can I do to help you be successful? What a freaking empowering question. And it doesn't happen a lot. What can I do? This is the principal. This is the instructional coach. This is your evaluator. What can I do to help you be successful? If those were the four things that were part of the evaluation system, then that would be the most properly rated evaluation evaluation system on the planet. But that's just not really what's happening. They're sitting in the back of the room with their laptops and they're like, type, 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 type. And they're like whispering to the students, is this how they normally teach? Type, 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 type. And they have a checklist in front of them and they're basically looking for those checklist items. Why does it have to be like that? 
you guys, maybe maybe we just need to revolutionize this. Like, mm, send me a direct message if you are feeling me on this. Again, I think this all comes down to these formal systems. I'm a systems person. I love a system. I got a system for everything. But I think when our systems become so complicated that we are literally giving teachers a number, a 4321, that, that, that we're missing the relational thing, right? I'm not a checklist. You're not a checklist. Our students aren't checklists. Do they help tell a story? For sure. Do they help keep us accountable? Absolutely. So do we need systems? Yes. But like, who's to say what's a level four? Who's to say what's a level three? The issue with the Danielson evaluation framework is the same issue with our current grading systems. I said it last week and I want to say it again. We are not facts and figures. We are people. And we have to have a narrative on what these numbers and what these facts and figures mean. Dang it, there it is. There's there's an earful on the Danielson evaluation system. Or who's Danielson? We Some of you are like, I don't even know. Who is this Danny character making this evaluation? You might call it something different, but I'm guessing yours is similar to that framework. For the record, I'm sure Miss Danielson or Mr. Danielson's a lovely person. And I'm not trashing their work, which I'm sure took forever I just think that we have to get back to a relational level and maybe that's simply implementing that system in a different way oh okay moving on to the next one it is an acronym oh my goodness education loves an acronym and this one is PLC for the record that stands for a professional learning community our plcs or our professional learning communities underrated overrated or properly rated i think they are underrated now here's what i will say let's unpack that i think meetings are overrated let's not just have meetings to have meetings and oftentimes what happens in a professional learning community or a PLC is we have these meetings on our calendar and then we meet just to meet gross can we make a pact that in 2021 we are going to stop meeting just to meet just so we can say yeah we had the meeting no no like let's have our professional learning communities be what they are intended to be professional time where we can learn from each other in our little communities of grade levels or subject areas or pods I know they're set up differently in every single school but like I am a fan if these are done well so let me give you an example um, in my previous school district, I was in a PLC um, and we met three to four times per week. A dedicated time was built in and I literally met with my grade level team. So there was like six of us three to four times per week, depending on the week. It was a dedicated time. We got together. We talked about student issues. We talked about upcoming um, curriculum calendars. Like we had an agenda. In fact, I was in charge of creating that agenda, which I called the agenda. Okay. Mm, God, I love a pun. Um, 
I didn't actually call it that because that wouldn't have been inclusive. But like, that's funny, right? An agenda, agenda, be jealous of that pun. It's mm, so good. But nonetheless, so I would create the calendar and that way teachers knew before the meeting exactly what we were doing. But here's the zinger. We were never meeting just to meet. Like if we had curriculum mapping on there and we were done with curriculum mapping, guess what we weren't doing? Sitting around a table wasting each other's times because that's what the calendar said. And so whether it's a PLC or a committee, like any time that we're meeting, I think that these groups are underrated, but meeting just to meet is overrated. And do you know what every PLC means? Every PLC needs a CPP. Mm-hmm, that's another acronym. You might be like CPP. Mm, what is that? What does that mean? CPP. PLCs need CPPs. Professional learning communities need crockpot parties. Yes. Okay. PLCs need CPPs. CPPs stand for crockpot parties. And I'm not even kidding. Here's what I mean. When I made those agendas for the week, I made sure that at least every other week we were getting together and it was normally on a Friday because why the heck not? We It's Friday fun times for PLCs who've earned it and Lord knows we always earned it. And so we would have like little gatherings and we would bring in food because how do you get to the heart of a teacher through the mouth of the teacher having a little goodies, right? Like let's have a little party. And so sometimes that was with Crock-Pot. And sometimes we were going off campus and going to a local coffee shop. But I felt like sometimes the greatest way for us to professionally learn in this community is to not have a freaking item on the agenda. Like, let's get together. Let's talk about our kids. Let's talk about our weekend plans. Let's talk about our upcoming travel. Let's talk about what we're watching on the Netflix. Like, that is professional learning. Because we work best as teams and as groups when we know each other on a life level. That's exactly what happens in our classrooms as well, peeps, right? Things go best in our classrooms when we know our students as people. We have to know our colleagues as people. Let's freaking connect with our colleagues in a crock pot party. We'll do that. There was one crock pot party that was absolutely amazing. A team member of mine was pregnant and she was on a like cheese dip kick that woman was loving her some chips and queso and one day on a crock pot party day god love her husband brought in the crock pot and we feasted on some chips and dip we had a chip and dip and it was one of the greatest meetings of all time because it was just people sitting around a table and we were doing life together And I think that's the super most undervalued part of a PLC is it gets so damn serious. Guys, sometimes we make the biggest progress and the most like the most advancements in our professional and our personal lives when we are putting the binders away, putting the meetings away, putting the agendas away. And we are just saying, yo, what are you streaming on the Hulu right now? So I believe in a crockpot party. I put those on the calendar a couple times a month. And I want you to consider that. I know it's been a little bit different because of COVID and we're meeting differently and we're eating differently at school and that kind of thing. But put that in your back pocket. 
Mm -hmm. Get you some of those saran wrap liners for your crock pot. So when it's time, you're bringing in the BBQ weenies or the grape jelly meatballs or the queso or that, oh God, that buffalo chicken dip that is literally like a drug because you eat the whole damn thing with a spoon and you're like, I don't even need a chip. Just give me a spoon and I'm going to eat that like it's a salad. You know what I'm talking about. Mm, get ready for a crock pot party in your PLC. Yes. Just talking about these crockpot parties has put me in such a fun mood because coming together with fellow teachers is fun. Coming and doing life with other people who are living this educator life, it's real, it's raw, it's relevant, and that is the number one reason why I love doing professional development with schools, with districts, whether it is virtual or in person. I love hanging out with you, with teachers like you, listeners of this podcast. I want to get it on the calendar. Can we book it? Can we please do that? Because right now, your principals are looking to book next school year's PD. They're, I'm serious. They're looking ahead to August. They're looking ahead to October. They are looking ahead to next January. You know how I know it? Because I'm getting the emails right now. And I want your school to be on the calendar. I want to do professional development with you. And we can do it in so many fun and flexible ways. Virtual PD is not going anywhere. And so if you need a quick afternoon workshop virtually because you live in another part of the country or maybe you don't have a huge budget, guys, let's do it. The engagement that happens in my virtual PD is insane. It's so much fun and I promise we can connect on camera. You know what else is happening next year? in-person professional development in a lot of areas like I want to be in your cafeteria I want to be in your gymnasium I want to be in your cafetorium what I don't even know what that means but I want to be there with you in person let's get it on the calendar principals so appreciated when you the teachers are sending them a link saying hey this girl name is monica genta and she's so fun and she's hilarious and she's heartfelt but she's also actually in the classroom and she can give us teacher tips teacher hacks classroom love i want to do that with you you guys monica at monicagenta.com is the email monicagenta.com is the web address let's get it on the calendar i'm not kidding Send that info to your principal and I will take it from here. We'll get it on the calendar and it will be freaking amazing. And then maybe at lunch, we'll have a crock pot party together. Oh my God. Planned. All right. This episode has three hot topics. We have hit two of them so far. Evaluation systems. Are you a 4-3-2-1 teacher? You are none of those things. You are an awesome teacher. That's what you are. And sometimes we just have to answer those questions in order to show it. Number two, we talked about a PLC with the CPP. Ooh, there should be a jingle for that. But third, we're talking about SEL slash ACES. 
Oh my God, more acronyms. Can you believe it? You can, because we're teachers. SEL stands for Social Emotional Learning. ACES stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. So is this concept, is this knowledge underrated, overrated, properly rated? I would say that this used to be so, so, so underrated. But I want to give like mad props, like standing ovation to the schools and the districts and the individual teachers who have just absolutely crushed SEL and ACEs since the pandemic and some of you your lord knows you're like "Mm, girl I was doing it before the pandemic I know but what I love about it is so many more leaders teachers schools really said I'm uncomfortable with this I don't know what this looks like but I know that it's important so I'm going to tackle it Um, through the trauma and the tragedy that has happened during COVID. So I would say that in general, this used to be so underrated. But now more and more and more schools are saying, no, this is properly rated. Like we need to tackle this in a really real way. And it's kind of cool. Like I feel just insanely blessed that like my school district was absolutely one of them. Many of you know, because you've been listening for a while, that's actually what I do. Um, full-time right now I'm the social and emotional learning teacher for every single middle school kid and um, some freshmen in my school building they have a dedicated SEL class and I am the teacher of that and that's awesome and so many of you listening have a dedicated morning meeting or a dedicated advisory or a dedicated homeroom and we I think we realize and I, I talk about this a lot this is not free time morning meeting advisory homeroom that's not free time no it's family time it's literally classroom family time and we have to use this precious time to our advantage to equip kids with the life skills that they need the social and emotional coping the communication the compassion the classroom camaraderie that's what this is all about and I just you know I was talking during the the break in the commercial about like hey let's do professional development together the reality of the situation is that is what most schools at this point are hiring me to do they're saying like we know it's important we know we need it but what does it look like in the context of our school can you come in and teach teachers how to teach their kids about SEL and I'm like "Mm, yes we can because here's the thing I think sometimes we get stuck with like really terrible curriculum that our school subscribes to. And if you're like, yes, I could guess in one guess, and I'm not going to name drop it right here, but I could guess in one guess if you hate the official curriculum of your school district, I know exactly what you're using. Mm. And I, I would love to create a curriculum that I would call First Step. And if I was hypothetically creating this, I would call it first step, which would be the first step to getting SEL in your school is to probably erase everything that has happened in the past about SEL or about ACEs, right? Like ACEs is a separate journey for sure. ACEs is, um, it still deals with trauma and tragedy, It's those adverse childhood experiences that are impacting 
their growth as a kid their growth academically, their social and emotional learning growth because of those traumatic things that have happened at some point in their childhood. And what's really interesting about an ACEs is there's, of course, there's software, right, where you can go in and answer some questions and it'll give you your ACEs score, which is just a fancy data-driven way of saying like, man, this kid has some heavy baggage and we as teachers can do that as well. It's amazing how our own childhood experiences and our own journey through school when we were kids impacts the way that we teach and the way that we roll as humans, as adults now. And so do I think the knowledge of this needs to be in schools now more than ever? Yes. Do I think that sometimes as teachers, we're just needing simple strategies? What are some things that we can do? Are we sitting in a circle crying with kids is that what it is absolutely not is it a worksheet no is it a google slide no it is a packet freaking no that's not what sel or aces is it is about saying to kids hey you're awesome i know that you've probably experienced some things in your life that have been hard or difficult and you don't really know what to do with them Let's figure out ways that we can grow as humans. We can grow as kids and that growth and those skills and that communication and these strategies are then going to help you in math and social studies and art in every single area of your life. So that when you walk out of this school, you're not just good at subjects, but you're good at skills that are going to help you no matter what career you end up in. Oh God, I love I love teaching SEL, I love exploring ACEs, and I love helping teachers, schools, and districts in that journey. Maybe you as a listener are like, yeah, girl, you totally helped my school out with that. And I know it's so cool, actually, because there's a bunch of listeners who I've done some long-term work in their school. And can I just say, if you were one of those schools and I, like, I, I'm following what you're doing on Twitter and I'm following what you're doing on Instagram and I love the emails. It is so cool to see that, like, we work together and you took these ideas and you made them your own and you are literally seeing the fruits of that in your room every single day. Kudos to you guys for understanding that professional development and learning about these topics can really bring schools to the next level because you're freaking awesome at what you do. And it's ah, it's so cool. Mm, mm, All the feels, guys. Well, there we are. Those are the three things. Uh, Danielson evaluation, PLCs, and SEL slash A lot of acronyms. I bet the Danielson evaluation framework was the DEF. Def. <laughs> oh, it def needs a remodel. Oh man, I feel like I'm. I just feel like I'm ringing the bell a lot in this episode as well. Guys, here's what's up. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, screenshot it, share it with me on the Instagram or on the TikTok or on the Twitter or on the Facebook. Tell other teacher friends that you're loving this podcast. Wolf teach. Don't forget to shoot me a DM because you are the winner of the book this month. Teach your friends, if you're listening, you could be the listener of the month and also win a free copy of a book. This has been a super fun episode. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. I am wishing you guys an amazing rest of your teacher week and thank you for living this teacher life.